Good evening, everyone. My name is Fiona from the Government of Alberta, and I will be your host for tonight's Telephone Town Hall. I really want to thank everyone who has joined tonight's event. We are here to answer all of your questions and ensure you are connected to the right resources. Tonight, I am joined by Premier Danielle Smith, Minister of Public Safety and Emergency Services, Mike Ellis, Minister of Forestry, Parks and Tourism, Todd Lowen. I am also joined by the Insurance Bureau of Canada, the RCMP and officials from across the government of Alberta who are here to answer all of your questions and provide you with any information you need. Before uh, we hear from our speakers, just let me tell you a little bit about a town hall and how that works. We will first hear opening remarks from Premier Smith and Minister Ellis, and after that, it will be your turn. You can get in line to ask a question at any time by pressing star three on your phone keypad. There will be an operator who will take down your questions. A couple of things to keep in mind. When you press star three, you'll be routed to an operator who will ask you to provide your name and community. For today's event, I will read all of the questions out loud and we will try and get to as many questions as possible. I would now like to invite Premier Smith and Minister Ellis to provide the opening remarks. Thanks so much, Fiona, and welcome to everybody. I'm glad to be here with Mike Ellis, the Minister of Public Safety and Emergency Services, and Todd Lowen, the Minister of Forestry, Parks and Tourism, and some of the hardworking officials who are leading and coordinating the response to the wildfires. This is a serious and unprecedented situation, and I do want to provide a brief update before we get to questions. Oftentimes, when you use the term unprecedented, I know that it gets used a lot, but I want to put it into context just how unprecedented the uh, the level of wildfire area burned so far is. Uh, the five-year average as of this time normally is 541 hectares burned. So far this year, we have had 428,345 hectares burned. Just to, to give you some idea of why we had to call the provincial state of emergency. It, it is because it truly was an unprecedented situation across multiple communities with many fights over a large geographic area with numerous evacuations. Right now, there are dozens of active fires burning across the province, and you're among the thousands of Albertans who've been forced to evacuate their homes. Now, so here's how we're responding. As I mentioned, the government declared a provincial state of emergency a few days ago. We have elevated our Provincial Operations Centre to the highest level to coordinate resources from across the province and from other jurisdictions. We're also ensuring that help is available to everyone who's had to evacuate. And please remember to register with staff at your local reception centre if you haven't already. If you have uh, friends or neighbours who have not registered, uh, encourage them to do so because we'll continue doing these town halls to reach out to you directly. And then the best way of doing that is to, to register so that we have your numbers so that we can call you and make it easy. They're gonna all, they're, they will also connect you with resources and information. If you're under a mandatory evacuation order for a total of seven days, you're eligible for a one-time emergency evacuation payment. We approved that at our emergency um, management committee of cabinet uh, a couple of days ago. So this includes Albertans who have been evacuated, returned home, and re-evacuated. -evacu we know how, we have a couple of communities in that circumstance in Entwistle and Evansburg. So that would be $1,250 per child plus $500 per 
pardon me, 1,250 per adult plus 500 per dependent child. And you can apply online at alberta.ca slash emergency using a verified alberta.ca account. Payments are available through e-transfer and uh, should take no more than 24 hours to receive once your application has been approved. If e-transfers don't work for you, you can call 310-4455 to make alternative arrangements. I'll give that number again. We've given it a lot, but that's uh, the number you should call if you need a direction at all or information at all uh, during this wildfire crisis, 310-4455. We have the ability to give a, a charged card. This has been done in the past. Um, if you if you if uh, e-transfer doesn't work for you, uh, you should also use that same number three ten four four five five. If you notice any price gouging, we just won't tolerate anyone trying to take advantage of this heartbreak and suffering. And if you have special needs and can't stay at an evacuation center, we are offering emergency financial assistance to cover the cost of a hotel stay. You can apply by visiting an Alberta support center, or once again by calling three ten four four five five. The main number to call for the latest information uh, is. Is three ten four four five five. It's now available twenty four seven, and you can also go to alberta.ca/emergency. You can also go on Twitter if you'd like to to uh, follow that. Monitor at your Alberta is the one that has been suggested. But above all, um, I know you want to stay safe and return home as soon as possible. Local governments will be the first to know about conditions on the ground and when re-entry is allowed. So I urge you to stay in touch with your local officials and watch out for updates. And I know this, this is all incredibly tough on you. I've been through this before uh, in 2012 myself. You've been uprooted from your homes on short notice. I know you're dealing with the stress of unfamiliar surroundings, worried about everything you've left behind. But do know we're doing everything we can to make things easier through financial assistance, constantly updating information and supporting the firefighters who are working night and day to save your property. You're not alone and we will not ever leave you stranded. Help is flowing and you can continue to count on us in, in the days to come. Thank you and I'll now turn it over to Minister Ellis. Well, thank you very much, uh, Premier, and good evening, everyone. Uh, I'd like to thank you all for joining us uh, for tonight's uh, Wildfire Town Hall. Uh, as the Premier mentioned, uh, we're here tonight to connect with uh, some of the tens of thousands of Albertans who have been evacuated in North and Central Alberta due to the intense wildfire activity. I do realize uh, that many of you are going through what is likely the most difficult ordeal of your lives. And we want to take, uh, we want to make sure that the supports that we're offering, uh, the emergency payments, the special needs assistance, the medical care, the evacuation centers, and of course more, are indeed meeting your needs and giving your families the security and stability that you deserve. Before we begin to take questions, let me uh, once again stress how important it is to listen to and to obey all evacuation orders and advisories. Our provincial experts uh, do not uh, take issuing such orders lightly, so I urge everyone to listen to the officials who are providing life-saving instructions during these times of crisis. Uh, a sincere thank you uh, to these officials and to all of the emergency response and service providers who are out there keeping Albertans safe. I also want to encourage all evacuees who are under mandatory evacuation orders uh, for seven days or more to apply for an emergency evacuation payment at alberta.ca slash emergency. Again, that's alberta.ca slash emergency. And of course, uh, evacuees uh, who are not able to ask a question tonight are encouraged to call 
310-4455. Again, 310-4455 for support. Uh, now I'd like to uh, pass um, the mic on to Mr. Lowen, uh, Forestry Parks and Tourism, to say a, a few comments. Thank you. Thank you, Minister Ellison. Uh, thanks everyone for joining us this evening. And I just want to start by offering my heartfelt sympathy to everyone that's been impacted by this ongoing tragedy that's affecting our whole province. Like you, I've been deeply affected by the events uh, of this past two weeks. And over the past few days, I've had the opportunity to meet with Albertans and listen to the stories of those who have had to make those difficult decisions at a moment's notice. I can say that I've been at uh, three of the evacuation centers as the evacuation was taking place. And so I've seen the worry and uncertainty on many of your faces. And I can say that I wear that same uh, worry on my face too. I want to reassure everyone that we are doing and will continue to do everything it takes to gain and maintain the upper hand <clears throat> on this situation. Just as we've been there to support our neighbors in the past, I'm heartened at the response to Alberta's call for assistance. Adding to the over 700 wildland firefighters, heavy equipment and air tankers already responding to wildfires in this province, we're grateful to have the support of wildland firefighters from across Canada currently aiding our wildfire operations with additional personnel from New Brunswick, the Yukon, Oregon and Alaska arriving today. Efforts to protect our communities from the threats and impacts of catastrophic wildfire can tax and test us. And having reliable partners like this ready to step up when we put the call out is key to our ability to overcome the many challenges posed by these fires. I want to express my sincere gratitude to the hundreds of wildfire personnel and staff, first responders and municipal officials who continue to work tirelessly to ensure the safety of people and communities. I know that many of you have questions about the immediate future, and I'm eager to hear your concerns. Communication at this time is critical, and I feel that it is especially important to try and address the questions that matter to you and your families. You have all had to make difficult choices in the past few days, and more than anything, I know that you want to return to your homes as quickly as possible. We'll continue to make sure that what we're doing is everything we can to make this happen, to get you back to your, to your homes. So thank you very much, and I'll uh, turn the, the mic back over to uh, Fiona, our host. Thank you, Premier Smith, Minister Ellis, and Minister Lowen. For those of you just joining, I'm Fiona. I'm your host for this evening's Telephone Town Hall. A reminder, if you have a question for any of the speakers, please press 3 on your phone to get into the queue. A reminder as well to also let the operators know what community you are from so we can get as many details as possible. Uh, we are now going to the first question. Uh, the question is from Sarah in Drayton Valley, and this is for Premier. Premier, can we expect daily updates for the foreseeable future? Yes, we were, we're trying to uh, make sure that we pin down a regular time so that you can work it into your schedule. At our morning meeting, we talked about having a 3 p.m. public briefing, which you can uh, get on our YouTube channel. The, the way that, that we did briefings regularly through the past three years, it's uh, the easiest way for us to make sure that you have the opportunity to get that daily update. It'll likely focus mostly on the state of the uh, fire response as well as the state of evacuations. But then we've also want to do telephone town halls like this every evening and at 7:30 for as long as they're needed. So that and we'll do them the same way that we'll uh, if you get yourself and your friends and your family to register, we'll have your number and we can dial out to you. But then there is also advertising that we've been doing about how you'd be able to dial in. So at the at, for the foreseeable future, we intend to do both of those. Yes. Thank you, Premier. The next question is from Brad in Evansburg. 
My family and I have been evacuated and out of home for a number of days. The ongoing stress of the situation is causing anxiety, and at times it's been difficult to cope. Where can we access support and help? I'm sure that there'll be a few people who want to weigh in on that, but you may know that our public safety minister prior to being in this role was in mental health and and addictions as the associate minister. So one of the things that we have done is we've set up a very easy line, 211, and you can call and you will get same-day counselling service. So that's 211 for anybody who needs to have that that mental health support, and I'll I'll ask uh, Minister Ellis to to offer some some more feedback. Yeah, uh, certainly when I was minister, we were trying to make this as simple as possible for people. So 211 certainly is the easiest and most effective way to to, to start uh, getting you the help that you need. Um, certainly, Counseling Alberta is uh, another mechanism. Um, but uh, for more of the, the, the granular details uh, to help you out, I'm going to pass this off to Deputy Minister uh, Romano, if you wouldn't mind. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Minister and Premier. And certainly, as you identified, 211 is the place to go to to access those supports. But it doesn't matter where Albertans are across the province, uh, whether at home or or elsewhere with friends or or family, there are a number of virtual supports available. As Minister Ellis mentioned, Counseling Alberta offers virtual and and barrier-free and subsidized counseling services, again, to be able to to answer questions uh, and provide different supports. Mental health helpline can be referred to through through 211 and a variety of other supports, again, anywhere you are across the province. So 211 is that referral pathway to mental health supports. Thank you very much, and thank you, Brad, for the question. Next question is from Justin from Brazo County, and this question is for Premier. What kind of assistance has been requested from the federal government? I can tell you that the very first assistance that we got from all of our our partners was through the Canadian Forest uh, Interagency Forest Fire Centre. Maybe a little known agency, even though it's been around since 1982. When I talked to the Prime Minister, he looked that up. And I think it's become even more important in recent years. It sounds like it really became very prominent after the Fort McMurray fires. And so... Uh, Minister Todd Lowen tells me that as of May the 1st, we had already put in our first request for help. This, uh, as you saw from the numbers I gave earlier, it was already evident this was going to be an extraordinary fire fighting year. And it's part of the reason why teams are already arriving from Ontario, Quebec, and British Columbia, and why more are on the way, not just uh, from our partners across the province or across the country, but also internationally. So that was the very first that uh, we had done. And when I spoke with with the Prime Minister, one of the, the things that we discussed is what role the Canadian Armed Forces might be able to, to play in assisting and adding a few more hands on deck. When I uh, arrived at the centre yesterday, Brigadier General Graham was there to greet me with a number of, uh, lo- uh, of local armed forces from Edmonton, including the head of the PPCLI. And one of the things that we learned is that they had 300 trained uh, firefighters. And so when I made the request of the, the Prime Minister, he, um, uh, it sounds like he immediately gave the, the, the go-ahead for them to work with our teams so that we could find a way to deploy them. I understand that they had a meeting as soon as this morning. So having um, the, the armed forces available for firefighting, as well as they have internal expertise for engineering, they've got strategic airlift capacity. Uh, as well, we, we also know that we're going to, to need assistance uh, as we start to settle our, our First Nations and um, Métis communities again, some of the, the more, more significant 
loss of structures happened in those um, those remote indigenous communities, and that's going to be something we'll have to partner with the, the federal government on. I know that uh, Minister Ellis has a few more things to add. Those were the, the things that we felt would be the most immediate, but he's had a, an ongoing discussion with his counterpart federally, Bill Blair, who is, uh, has offered um, whatever support we need. Minister Ellis? Yeah, thank you, Premier. Um, I think uh, I think for uh, I think everybody needs to to know that uh, there is a national program, which is a, a Canadian integrated firefighting uh, center, um, which um, helps uh, all jurisdictions across Canada. Which uh, you know, all of our uh, Alberta Emergency Management um, Agency, we tap into that. Uh, BC has a, a similar program, Saskatchewan. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we, we have uh, fires in, in British Columbia as well raging right now, uh, certainly some raging in, uh, in Saskatchewan, certainly not to the extent that we're having here in, in Alberta. But uh, all requests uh, usually go through this, uh, this national program uh, to make sure that uh, all jurisdictions that require assistance when it comes to firefighting, that everybody's getting these necessary resources. Obviously, with the intensity of the fires that we have in uh, in Alberta right now, uh, certainly a lot of resources are being diverted. And as the Premier mentioned, we, we have, and, and I know Mr. Lowen had mentioned on a previous call that we had had earlier, that we're, we have firefighters coming from jurisdictions right across Canada. Uh, we've been able to leverage supports internationally as well for the United States and I believe some other countries as well. Again, this is all part of a national program that we have. And uh, certainly, I have been in direct contact with uh, Minister uh, Blair. Uh, we did uh, send a, a letter to them, which uh, we have a, 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 a certainly we have a good working relationship uh, with the the federal government. And Minister Blair, Blair recognizes the expertise that we have in our Alberta Emergency Management uh, Agency, and, and certainly, you know, I can go into details of that list, but. It's really about ensuring that we have all the necessary resources. And I will just say this is that, uh, you know, Mr. Blair has been very cooperative in, in ensuring that they're actioning all the requests that we have been uh, making in regards to this, uh, this very trying time. Thank you. I just noticed from the update uh, today that there were, just to give you an idea through that um, Canadian Interagency Forest Fire Center that Mike and I both referenced, uh, some firefighters from Quebec and Ontario have already arrived in Alberta and more are on the way from those two provinces as well as BC and Yukon. There's 76 firefighters from Ontario and Quebec who arrived on Saturday and they're being sent to assist in Lac La Biche, High Level, Edson Grand Prairie, White Court and Peace River. Uh, more wildland firefighters are arriving today from the Yukon, 21. Uh, we're getting one from New Brunswick, 23 from Oregon and 22 from Alaska. And in addition to CL-415 air tankers from Quebec have arrived and are working out of Rocky Mountain House. So we're going to, to continue to request support as our officials tell us that they're needed. Sorry, let me just add one more thing. I think it's very important is uh, obviously we've been working very closely with our friends in the, uh, in the RCMP as well. Um, we, they've made a uh, request of 40 additional officers, which I have certainly signed off on, and we were providing relief and support um, uh, for our RCMP, officer who, RCMP officers who are, who are also uh, working uh, extremely hard in this, this time of crisis right now. Thank you, Premier. Thank you, Minister. And thank you, Justin, for that question. Next, we have a question from Melissa from Drayton Valley, and this is for Premier. Is there any rough estimate on when Drayton Valley residents will be able to return home. One of the things that I understand from the Alberta Emergency Management Agency is that they, they do work very closely in a unified command with the, the local 
um, EOCs in Drayton Valley, and so they do want to make sure that they're getting input from those who are who are on the ground. And I'll I'll get Colin to to give a more direct answer on what things are looking like for Drayton Valley. Good evening, it's Colin Blair from the Alberta Emergency Management Agency. Uh, so the, the the situation in uh, in Drayton Valley, uh, obviously there's still an active uh, wildfire nearby. Uh, we look to the uh, local authority through their emergency operations center to oversee uh, the safety of the community and the action to in ensure things are safe before people come back in. Uh, we expect that uh, the they'll be shifting into planning considerations around re-entry uh, and that re-entry uh, is intended to go directly out to the to the uh, uh, the citizens of the of the municipality to let them know next steps uh, for people to return. So to sum up on this, the first thing will be to make sure that uh, the hazard is safe um, and then shifting into providing information to residents about reentry. Uh, thank you, Colin. And, and just uh, for everybody listening, Colin is the executive director of the Alberta Emergency uh, Management Agency. Um, I would just further supplement uh, what Colin's saying is that uh, for Drayton Valley uh, residents, uh, uh, their seven days will actually be starting tomorrow. So they will be eligible for for payments uh, and, and supports uh, starting tomorrow. Um, maybe Colin, uh, where, where exactly do they go to apply for those um, those those payments? I think that's uh, probably not a call-in question, but <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll put alberta.ca slash emergency if you want to go on online for that. Um, uh, Brad, did you have any, Brad Geddes, did you want to talk a little bit more about the, the process that people are going through to apply for that? Please do, Premier. Uh, so I think the first thing that uh, is very helpful um, is that the password that people use at alberta.ca to register is that we uh, is the same name and password that they can use to apply for affordability, uh, sorry, uh, emergency evacuation payments. So that should help expedite. Secondly, uh, the payment will be made by the e-transfer. Uh, so that'll make the process quicker as well. Um, currently, um, I'm pleased to share that the communities that as of tomorrow, uh, payments will be going out for is Little Red River, Fox Lake, Brazo County, including Drain Valley, Parkland County, including Antwistle, and Yellowhead County, including Evansburg and Wildwood. Uh, again, those communities and as other communities are added, will be at alberta.ca uh, slash emergency. Uh, anything else, Premier? Thanks for that, Brad. I, I might call on Shannon Marchand if you are able to. I know you can't predict the way fire is going to move, but I, if I understood the, the really difficult and challenging situation in Drayton Valley, uh, the, the, there was there was about 85% of the town that was surrounded and then under threat from uh, from wildfire at some point. And so, what is your assessment now about uh, what are you looking for in order to feel confident that people can return? Thank you, Premier uh, Shannon Marshawn, Deputy Minister of Forestry, Parks and Tourism. Uh, the 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 recommendation will come from our staff on the ground who are uh, experienced wildland uh, firefighting crews uh, working with the local authority. Uh, you know, the considerations that will go into it will be looking at uh, not not only the, it will be a combination of the current uh, fire risk based on weather, uh, based on the forecasted weather, uh, and based also on the, uh, you know, the defenses that may have been put in place in anticipation of change in the, uh, change in the weather. 
uh, and I'm not I'm not in a position really today to give any sense of you know when those decisions will ultimately you know when those recommendations will ultimately be made. But just know that because we have seen some communities return, that I think just gives you some confidence that they're assessing this at, at every at uh, every moment, and as soon as they can make that call safely, we will make sure that uh, you are the first to know. Thank you. Our next question is from Chris, and I'll start um, with Premier. Will continuing care residents be left last for re-entry? Let me, uh, I know that there's been a, a lot of, of work in moving residents outside of both our hospitals and continuing care facilities, but let me turn that over to Dr. Stacy Greening, who can give us some, uh, some feedback on how we're going to be able to uh, move continuing care residents back into the communities. Thank you. So our primary concern is always the safety of our continuing care residents, many of whom have mobility issues. And so timelines for any patients and residents return to community will be in collaboration with our municipal partners. We will consider fire risk, facility readiness, and the availability of appropriate services to return residents to their home communities. They are being safely cared for in facilities across the province and at appropriate care levels to their needs. As we work on repatriating residents continuing care uh, to continuing care facilities in their home communities, we will always be discussing that both with residents and their family members prior to repatriation of those residents to home communities. We will also have broad messaging available to community members at ahs.ca forward slash wildfire. Thank you very much, and thank you, Chris, for that question. The next question is from Michelle. Why was the Drayton Valley emergency alert removed, even though we are still evacuated? I'm going to go to Minister Ellis. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Michelle. Um, you know, obviously, in an emergency, the uh, local municipality certainly has uh, jurisdiction. Uh, the Alberta Emergency Management Association our sorry, agency, you know, augments and supports um, uh, from an operations center perspective, that municipality. Uh, the only thing I could, you know, really uh, say in, uh, in regards to that is that the, the municipality who certainly has um, um, the jurisdiction over this is uh, working very closely with the Alberta Emergency Management Agency. Uh, but maybe I'll ask Colin if he can augment and support uh, what I had to say there. That's Colin Blair here with the Alberta Emergency Management Agency. So the the intent of the Alberta Emergency Alert is to is to notify uh, impacted uh, citizens as quickly as possible. So uh, the the AEA uh, was used to advise everybody of the evacuation alert, uh, and now that uh, the municipality has evacuated, uh, there's not a need to keep the alert up. Thank you, Colin. Thank you, Minister. The next question we have is from Dana, and I'll start with Premier on this one. What kind of compensation is available for people who live in surrounding areas of Drayton Valley who have not been evacuated but work in Drayton Valley and can't work? One of the, um, I think it's a, it's a very good question that we will make sure that we've got a good answer uh, for you on that. I, I ha when I spoke with the Prime Minister, one of the things that I raised was whether employment insurance would be able to be available for those who were unable to work. I think our conversation centered around those who had been evacuated, but I think you raise a good point that if you're living outside Drayton Valley and that's your place of work, 
uh, if the business is closed, obviously you're not able to, to to be employed there too. So it seems to me we should have a pretty generous ability to get it, that temporary employment insurance. Yeah, in the past, the federal government has allowed for flexibility and exceptions uh, for rapid enrollment for those being evacuated or for businesses closed because of the wildfires. So I will um, ask Brad if he can make Brad Gettys again uh, if he can maybe give some guidance on this. I. I uh, since I just had the conversation with the Prime Minister yesterday, I'm not sure if all of these processes have been set up yet, but that, uh, that'll be a priority for us as this continues on. Brad? Great. Thank you, Premier. Um, so there is a general provision for disasters that affect either the employee or the employer. Um, the details about how to, how to access that will be on alberta.ca uh, slash emergency in the coming days. Uh, so if you're interested in more information, look there. The other place it will be is at, on the federal website regarding employee um, uh, employment insurance. So those are the two different places to watch for. But again, alberta.ca slash emergency, and please watch there for more information. Thank you so much, Brad. Thank you, Premier. The next question is from Stuart from Drayton Valley. What is being done to discourage looting in Drayton Valley? And I'm going to go to Minister Ellis. Well, uh, thank you very much. Of course, uh, of course, we of course want to more than discourage. Uh, we uh, we do not want to see looting or, or thefts going on in any of the municipalities that have been been affected, or, or quite frankly at all. Um, you know, and that's why we're certainly putting uh, a lot of support uh, around the RCMP, making sure that they all, all that they they as well have all the necessary resources. Uh, so I uh, only just uh, I believe it was yet yesterday I did authorize. Uh, the additional 40 uh, officers, I believe, are going to be coming in from Saskatchewan uh, to make sure that uh, they not only augment and support, but also provide relief to our RCMP members who are certainly working uh, very hard. Um, but with that, I, I think I would like to, I know we have Deputy Commissioner Zablocki also on the line, and maybe he can, uh, from an operational perspective, explain what the RCMP is doing to certainly uh, be out there and discourage uh, a lot of this looting and not, sorry, my apologies, that some of this looting and theft that uh, we have reports of there are going on. Thank you, Minister. Thank you, Minister Allison. Uh, pleasure to join you all uh, this evening. The Alberta RCMP's primary focus, of course, is ensuring the safety and security of, of persons and property. And we are working with uh, local governments and, and the province uh, government authorities to assist with the you know, orderly evacuation of residents and to ensure the ongoing safety and security uh, of our communities. And I want to assure you that your police officers, they're in your communities, they're patrolling, they're securing perimeters and checkpoints, they're looking for suspicious activity, and they're working to keep you and your property safe. So, uh, of course, that's very important. And, and without minimizing the impact of the crimes or, or so-called looting that have taken place, break and enters and theft do not appear to be widespread in the evacuated areas. And proactive patrols, uh, you know, they've resulted in the apprehension of, of several suspects thus far who have been engaged in criminal activity and, uh, and of course seemingly deterred others from committing crime by detecting them early and, and moving them out of the areas. Thank you very much. The next question we have is from Mike. What keeps a wildfire in control and what makes a fire out of control? I'm going to ask Premier to start and then I'll go to Minister Lowen. Uh, you know, that's, uh, this is such an unusual fire season. We've been ask, I've been asking the, the questions of, of our officials on that too. Why don't we begin um, with Minister Lowen? Uh, he's also been up 
monitoring almost firsthand some of the fires that are taking place in in his home community, and then uh, perhaps he'll he'll want uh, Minister or Deputy Minister Marchand to, to weigh in. Minister Lowen. Yes, thank you for the question. And uh, yes, they do have uh, criteria on what they call uh, you know a, an active fire, out of control fire, uh, under control fire, and uh, and when they actually have it out, it is a. The, the criteria, I'll, I'll turn that over to Deputy Marchand, but basically what, what happens is as long as they're certain that the fire is, uh, it is in a spot where it'll uh, not progress any further, then they can bring it to the status of uh, under control. Uh, a lot of these fires now with this weather that we've had is, have been subdued, but that doesn't mean they're under control yet because uh, the, the weather, weather change, you know, with good weather, positive weather as far as... Uh, sunshine and uh, and high temperatures and those fires could flare up again and so they there's a lot of fires that I think we're looking at now that we're wondering why they're still not considered under control but that's because they with a change of weather we can uh, they could flare up again so but Deputy Marchand maybe you have a little more technical answer for me. Thank you thank you Minister so yeah I, I think with a, a fire that is considered under control it is not expected. There is no expectation that there will be any growth or anything else. Like that's, that, it is the perimeter of that fire is fully secure, and that it is not. Uh, it is not expected to. It is not going to grow. Uh, and regardless of whether there was really a change, I think a key consideration would be a change in the conditions. So if suddenly the conditions changed, there would still be confidence that that fire was under control. Uh, so when a fire is. Um, uh, out, not under control or out of control. Um, it is. Uh, it really is the case that the you know the perimeter of the fire is uh, unsecured. Uh, that based on the weather, there's the potential for the fire uh, to grow. And and I would say the weather is one of the key factors uh, at play and the general conditions in terms of what happens with fire behavior. Um, it really is sort of a combination of uh, temperature, uh, relative humidity in the air. Uh, and then wind speed, which are the, uh, and then combined with the final factor of the fuel conditions. So what are the forest fuels like? Uh, and unfortunately, we've had fire starts over the last couple of weeks uh, at a time when it's still very early in the season. So the fine fuels are dry, the dry grasses are available. And then uh, that ha those starts happened at a time when we had very low humidity, uh, so very little moisture in the air very high temperatures and very high winds, which enable the fire to spread very quickly. Thank you very much. The next question we have is uh, from Rayson, and the question is, are temporary residents or temporary foreign workers eligible for the Alberta Emergency Payment Benefit? Thanks for that, Fiona. Uh, one thing I, I will say is that we wanted to make sure that we had rules consistent with the past. And so I, I'll say that uh, First Nations and um, Métis on the Métis settlements are, uh, of course, also included in this payment. Let me go over to Brad Getty to, to answer the question about temporary citizens. Thank you, Premier. Now, there's two different uh, categories, so temporary foreign workers in the evacuated area uh, that are being housed in the evacuated area are eligible. The second group is international students who live in the evacuated area and have visas allowing them to study or, or uh, work um, are also eligible. Thank you. And uh, I have another question for you, Brad, from Gail. Mm -hmm. How are we supposed to receive emergency payments if we are waiting on account verification? 
Very good question. Um, very uh, luckily, we are able to, uh, at 310 4455, uh, able to start the process with a basic uh, verification. So uh, you, can, you don't have to wait for the PIN code to come in the mail. Uh, we appreciate that, that people can't access their mail. So uh, just call 310-4455 and we'll verify you over the phone. Thank you. Thank you, Brad. And we have a, some similar questions from participants. We're gonna continue on with those, but a reminder, if you've just joined the call to pre, please press star three to get your question in the queue. Uh, is the emergency evacuation payment taxable? And this is from a question from Jane. That's a great question. We get that frequently. Uh, it is not a taxable benefit. Uh, as well, it doesn't count against uh, either age payments or income support payments. Uh, if you're uncertain, though, please call us at 310-4455. Brad, back to you on this one. If This is a question from Roxanne from Drayton Valley. If we take a one-time, one-month payment, what happens down the road if the situation happens again? Uh, thank you very much uh, uh, for that. At this time, uh, it is a one-time payment. Uh, there is additional resources that people can access through their insurance policy. Uh, if you're looking for information about that, I, I would encourage you to reach out to ibc.ca for the website. Um, many homeowner policies and tenant policies do provide coverage uh, for when you're out of your home for an extended period of time. Um, other than that, uh, I think we would ha we'll have to evaluate and monitor. Thank you. If I can just weigh in, I think we've got the Insurance Bureau of Canada on the line. And uh, one of the things that I had learned, the fire is, is normally covered by most insurance policies. Uh, when I went and visited the Expo Centre, one of the things that I learned is that there are sort of different policies associated with being out of home. One of the things that they wanted, that they were pleased to see when we was that we did declare a provincial state of emergency because that is the signal that a lot of insurance policy policies need as a, a trigger so that you can access those uh, the, those displacement uh, 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 amounts. Some policies have deductibles, some have a per diem, some you uh, keep your receipts and submit them up to a, a maximum. So you'll have to call your insurance policy on each of those. The, um, the Red Cross also, this is part of the reason why we were encouraging people to go to the evacuation center is that Red Cross does allow for three days worth of hotel expenses that they cover. And then finally, the, um, uh, your insurance policy, if you find that you've got damage, will be able to, to cover you beyond that. But maybe the Insurance Bureau of Canada representative can weigh in on this if, I've, if there's anything more to clarify. Yes, thank you, Premier. And you're exactly correct. Virtually all home and tenant insurance policies provide coverage for additional living expenses when you have been evacuated from your home. And they also provide coverage for fire damage to your property. Everyone's insurance policy has different terms, conditions, and limits, including deductibles that may or may not apply to different portions of your coverage. Insurance policies can vary between providers and even between neighbors, since the coverage is tailored to your specific needs. The insurance industry is here and they are helping the impacted residents and they will continue to help the impacted residents through this difficult time. 
Thank you very much, Robin. Thank you, Premier. The next question is from Wendy from Drayton Valley. And Rob, this is also a question for you. Why isn't Aviva waiving the deductible like all other insurance companies? Thank you, Wendy, for the question. Insurance policies do vary between providers and there may or may not be deductibles that apply to certain portions of coverage. So this is where if you've initiated a specific claim, you can reach out to your insurance representative, your adjuster, to ask for clarification as to which portion of the policy may or may not have a deductible. At IBC, we also have a consumer information center and we can be reached at 1-844-2-ASK-IBC. That number again, 1-844-227-5422. And I encourage you to reach out to us with general insurance questions. We have insurance experts that are available to share additional information and details on the different portions of your coverage or direct you to other resources or information that is available. Thank you very much, Rob. The next question is from Rebecca from Drayton Valley and this question is for Premier. Where did you come up with seven days to get financial aid? We've been out of our home for six days. Yeah, the, um, the policy was passed in 2020. I'm afraid I wasn't at the cabinet table for that discussion. And initially it was only going to cover $625 for an adult and $300 for a child. And it was also only going to cover uninsurable losses, meaning if you um, had a, a flood that's considered an uninsurable loss, but fire is, is insured. And we just felt as a, a cabinet, uh, uh, our, when our emergency cabinet met, we just, we just felt like that wasn't going to be sufficient. So we made some exemptions. One of the exemptions was that it would apply in this case. And we also uh, doubled the, uh, the, the amount. So it is $1,250 per adult and, and $500 per child. So we, the, it was an existing policy that, that uh, had, had been implemented. I think the, the, the hope would be that if you've managed, if, if you've returned, been able to return to your home within seven days, I think that uh, with some of the other supports, with the Red Cross, and in this case with insurance, I, I think that the hope is that it would uh, defray most of the expenses that you have, whereas when you go beyond seven days, it becomes a lot more difficult. We're, we're happy to take feedback to see if we need to revisit this policy. Those who have been out six days, uh, tomorrow's day seven. So those of you who are in uh, Drayton Valley, I believe is uh, that's day seven. So you'll be able to start applying tomorrow. I know it's, it's probably been a bit frustrating. I, I hope that the support that we've given through the evacuation center, Red Cross, and your insurance company have, have been able to assist and, and that those extra dollars will, will be able to help you out. Uh, also, if you if you're going to, you may want to uh, go onto the onto the website and just see if you need employment insurance support. Uh, that would be the the other area that uh, there'd be support available from an income point of view if this goes on uh, for another little while. And uh, Alberta.ca/emergency is where Brad suggested. Do you want to weigh in too, Mike? Yeah, I, I I would say that you hit all the the major points, uh, uh, Premier. Um, I, uh, unfortunately, myself uh, as well as Minister Lowen also were not at the the cabinet table at that time. 
but I think it's the the flexibility and the feedback that we're receiving from people um, uh, like the folks on on the phone call right now. I think was is is very very important. Um, you know, policies uh, like this certainly have the ability to uh, be augmented and changed, uh, as we did with regarding uh, that you did under your leadership, and as far as making sure that. Uh, children and families certainly get uh, uh, more money than what uh, the previous policy was. So happy to take that as, uh, as um, a, a takeaway. Thank you. Thank you, Minister. Thank you, Premier. The next question is from Kevin in East Prairie. Will people need to pay back emergency funds later on? Premier? No. So this is a, a one-time support that we are giving. One of the things um, that we're doing, just in hearing the, the feedback that we're getting, one of the, the policies where we'll be getting advice from the administration tomorrow is on providing some kind of matching support for Red Cross donations. We know that there's always been, already been generous support from TELUS who have contributed $5 million to Red Cross. In addition, the, um, the, the Oilers are make, making their 50-50 proceeds available for for this for the support so we want to be able to um to uh, to add and encourage your fellow citizens to 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 do that kind of contribution to the federal government prime minister trudeau has already indicated to me that he wants to do a, a matching program with us so we'll have more to say on that but that will be an, another way that we can identify specific needs and and provide targeted programs and targeted support so we want to we want to do as much as we can to, to give you the support that you need and if um, you can be specific in the kinds of things that you want let us know there is also the number three ten four four five five if you need some some kind of a dedicated emergency support there are additional supports available I, I may let uh, Brad Gettys talk about that to, so that so you can understand a little bit more about if you have a, a particular need great thank you premier um, I think it's important for people to know that uh, as we go through this, there are different supports and there's going to be different needs. Uh, we've talked about earlier at 211 for mental health supports. Uh, 310-4455 is, uh, think of it as a gateway uh, to a number of different services and a number of different ministries, including uh, the Income Support Contact Centre, which can provide uh, emergency medication, emergency food, uh, hotel or transportation uh, if need be. We don't want anyone um, with, without uh, and not being safe, warm, and dry. So uh, it's important that if you do need those supports, please reach out to 310-4455. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Premier. The next question is from Eric from Strathcona County. Does the province have enough firefighters to manage? Are we calling in support, Premier? You know, if it was a normal year, I, I suppose uh, it would be a different answer. Um, but with this extraordinary year, we, we clearly do need the extra supports from our interagency partnerships. I, I think I may have uh, Todd Lowen weigh in on that, and then uh, perhaps Shannon Marchand. If you can talk about the uh, the amount of, of our regular forces that we have for, for fighting fires, and, and then uh, just maybe just comment on the adequacy of it, Minister. Yes, uh, thanks for the question. Appreciate that. Yeah, so uh, normally, or what we have right now in, uh, for Alberta resources, we have, we have over 700 firefighters. We have uh, 45 incident management personnel. We have 248 support personnel, and then uh, 361 permanent staff dedicated to wildfire operations. And as far as uh, you know, aircraft, we have 137 helicopters, uh, seven fixed-wing bird dogs, and uh, 18 air tankers. And now from coming from out of province now, we have uh, two more air tankers that are in place right now and uh, three more coming. 
and we have about a, a hundred personnel that have come in already and more arriving daily. So, uh, do we have enough? I, I think we're we're getting uh, with the, with the numbers that we have coming now and with the other agreements we have with other organizations. I think we're we're coming along to be in pretty good shape. We're looking at other options for bringing in more people or having more people be able to work on uh, on wildfires in Alberta. So uh, yeah, so there is quite a quite a bit of, uh, of personnel and equipment right here that we have on a regular basis. Uh, we have had a, an un- unusual year, but uh, with the amount of wildfires we've had this year already is uh, is basically record setting but as the premier has mentioned we do have these agreements with uh with other organizations and there's the the one that's been talked about now the canadian interagency forest fire center that uh, that we applied for a week and a half ago or so and uh, that's why we're already getting additional uh personnel and additional uh, aircraft right now but we also have uh the northwest compact agreement which uh puts us in uh, in agreement with uh some of the western provinces so bc alberta saskatchewan we have that agreement it includes alaska the yukon and northwest territories and it also includes uh, oregon washington montana and idaho so all those uh, those groups there uh, again we have these agreements with them to be able to bring in more uh, more services to our province when needed and of course we supply services uh, when they need them too so but i'll uh, have deputy marchant maybe take another stab at it here too Thank you, Minister. I don't really have anything to add beyond that. Thank you. Thank you, Minister. Thank you, Deputy. The next question we have is from Matthew from Evansburg. When will people be able to go back home? And I'm going to ask Colin Blair, Executive Director of AMI, but First Minister Alex. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, uh, Fiona. Uh, Matthew, uh, thank you uh, so much. I, I, you know, I can understand the the, uh, the difficulty for, for you, uh, for family members, for friends, for neighbors, uh, for uh, obviously being away from, from your home and during this very trying uh, time. Uh, first and foremost, uh, of course, it's it's all about uh, safety, making sure that um, it's safe to, to return home. Uh, I'm told that uh, Evansburg is, is uh, still um, uh, on an evacuation uh, at this time. Um, and, and certainly, um, you know, we have incident commanders that are um, um, stationed all throughout uh, throughout Alberta, uh, specifically one uh, that would be looking after your jurisdiction, that would be constantly um, assessing uh, the situation uh, to determine when it is indeed safe to go back home. But I'm going to ask uh, the executive director, Colin Blair, just to maybe if I missed something to augment that. Yeah, thank you, Minister. Yeah, so so Evansburg is still evacuated. Uh, I would ask that uh, you go and register. You can either do it online, so go through the alberta.ca slash emergency site. You can also register at 27011 Avenue Edson. Um, on the website, uh, we are providing regular updates about the status of evacuations, uh, but uh, you can also check your community routine, your community's routine communication channels uh, to see where they are at. So there, I expect that there will be more to follow. And as the situation uh, gets safe, uh, I would expect that the, the community will start to send messaging out about the time for re-entry. I, I should just mention, I, I went and visited Parkland County and Whistle, and I think Evansburg is just on the other side of the county line. So similar geography there. And I can tell you the grounds are still smoldering. One of the things about the soil there is it's so peaty. And with that peat soil, the uh, local fire uh, officers have told me that 
in a previous fire, some of that smoldering took over a year to put out. Now, that is that is part of the dangers that they, because they, they continue to have these smoldering areas, they just want to make sure that nothing is going to flare up again. So I, I, I hope you, you can appreciate that everybody is just making sure that we don't get into a situation where, like with Edwistle and Evansburg, it was evacuated, then brought back, then evacuated again. So I, th I think everybody is just wanting to be cautious not to cause that ad additional disruption. And the sad part is, with the conditions the way they are, that uh, these 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 fires can can really flare up when uh, with the dry conditions and when the and when the wind goes. So I just know that it, you've got really uh, skilled local uh, individuals who are giving advice and working collectively in a unified command, so that as soon as you are able to return you will be able to. There have been a number of evacuation orders that have been rescinded. So we've seen rescinded orders in MD Fairview and Northern Sunrise County in High Prairie, Perilous Trout First Nation, Big Lakes County, Hart Lake First Nation, uh, Clear Hills County, Strathcona County, Clearwater County, Nordig, Athabasca County, and Paul First Nation. So there, there have been instances already where they have been able to, to return. So just have some heart that is, as soon as uh, they are able to safely, then, then uh, you'll be the first to know. Thank you, Premier. Thank you, Minister. Thank you, Colin. A reminder to please press star three to get your question into the queue. The next question we have is from Chris from Wildwood. What should we be watching for regarding e-transfers? Apparently there are already a bunch of scams out there. Well, Brad, I wonder if you, oh, sorry, that was from Chris. Chris, I wonder if there's a chance you might be able to give us a little bit more information about the kind of scam that you're seeing, because we, we should make sure that that information is uh, available on the website so people know what to look for. The, the main thing about, uh, about this is that, is that we do have a verified process, so we are going to be able to send it to people who have identified who they are throughout, through their, um, their verified uh, ID. So why don't I turn that over to Brad? And Brad, you can maybe tell people what to look for and what to, to be aware of so that they don't end up uh, succumbing to a scam. Thank you, Premier. Um, I think it's important uh, as we're going through this to make sure that uh, we're looking for uh, the email address from the government of Alberta, uh, gov.ab.ca in the email exchange. Secondly, we will, we will not be asking you uh, for personal information in our emails, uh, so there should not be any need uh, for you to disclose any information, uh, definitely not any bank information by email. Um, thirdly, you can always call us at 310-4455 if you have questions or not sure, uh, especially if you're getting phone calls. Now, the other point that I, I, I'm pleased to share um, as well is that uh, Alberta Support Centers in Northern Alberta um, will be uh, extending hours as well on, into the weekend. Uh, so that'll make it a lot easier for people if they're not comfortable doing these things on phone uh, and they need a human contact. So uh, look for our list of offices with uh, wonderful uh, staff that are looking forward to helping you. Uh, that Those addresses uh, are in most communities where there is a, um, a reception center and they'll be able to help you as well if you're not comfortable uh, doing it over there, uh, either phone or by email. So thank you. Uh, thank you, Brad. Uh, sir, it's Mr. Uh, Ellis here. Uh, and to, to Chris, I, I just I just want to say that uh, obviously a scam is is a fraud. It's a uh, it's a criminal offense. And certainly, if, if there's something that you suspect is a criminal offense that's uh, come across your path, then please 
contact your, your local RCMP, uh, your local police detachment to let them know about this uh, and allow them to uh, conduct that investigation. Uh, certainly, if, if anything is brought to, to my office, the Minister of Public Safety's office, then certainly we'll pass that on to the local jurisdiction as well to make sure that uh, those uh, service cameras are brought to the full extent of the law. Thank you. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Minister. The next question is from Haley. For students who are graduating this year who haven't had a normal year of high school and now unable to attend class, is there going to be exceptions for diplomas? Yeah, Haley, it's been a tough few years for those of you who are in high school. And we, we did have this conversation in a briefing earlier today in that in cabinet. So I just want to turn it over to Kindy Joseph, the ADM for education, and, and she can tell you the plan for diplomas. Hi, thank you. Um, right now, we are working very closely with school leaders. We met with them yesterday, in fact, um, to discuss the impacts. Uh, we're evaluating the situation. And uh, as we hear more from school leaders, we will make those decisions, but we are looking at that very closely. Thank you very much, Kimmy. The next question we have is from Jesse from Fort Saskatchewan. Tomorrow, Wednesday, will be day seven. We were evacuated at 11.15 p.m. on the Thursday. Are we entitled to the funding after seven days tomorrow, or are we eligible on Thursday? The uh, Saskatchewan. And I think they were talking about they left their home Thursday. So technically by Wednesday, that's uh, seven days. They're just wondering if they have to wait until 11.15 Thursday before it kicks in. What's the policy there, Brad? Uh, excellent question. Um, the nice thing about the website is that people can apply before uh, the date. Uh, so we will hold the, uh, the applications when they come due on the seventh day. Uh, that's when they'll move on to the next stage of the process. So people don't have to um, uh, be precise on when they're applying. Uh, they can apply a day early. That's okay. We'll be able to make it work. How do you count the days, though, Brad? Is it uh, is it is it uh, is it if you were evacuated at eleven fifteen p.m. Thursday, you have to wait until eleven fourteen p.m. the following Thursday? We're a bit more reasonable than that. We'll we'll work it out. Thank you, Premier. We're going to try to be generous here. Uh, I think there was another question about whether it would be paid back, like CERB. This is a, no, this is a one-time emergency payment, and so you will not have to pay it back. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Premier. The next question we have is from John from Drayton Valley. What is the status of the fire southeast of Drayton Valley? Is it still burning on the River Valley Hill? I think that's a question for, uh, for Shannon Marchand. Yeah, that, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so Shannon Marchand, I'm the Deputy Minister of Forestry, Parks and Tourism. Uh, the fire, yeah, the, the, the fire, the, that area is, is part of what has been burned through the fire. Uh, the head of the fire has moved away from that precise uh, location. Uh, but I, I would imagine that there is, um, I haven't been on site myself, but I would imagine that there is still uh, smoldering burning in that, uh, in that area. Thank you very much, Deputy. The next question we have is from David from Wildwood. When do we get, when we get the okay to go back to Wildwood, will utilities be turned on ahead of time? And Colin, I am going to go for, to you on this one. Yeah, thank you. So part of the re-entry, and uh, this is up to each uh, local authority to determine 
there are a set of guidelines that uh, they do follow. And uh, the intent is to try to make sure that the, the community is ready to, to receive uh, people before they come in. So all of the normal services, gas, electrification, telephony, uh, drinking water, wastewater, the intent to, is to have those up and rolling. Um, so, you know, we get the wildfire under control when, the, when that's safe. Uh, it's all of those other normal uh, amenities of life uh, that need to be in place before folks are allowed to re-enter. Thank you very much, Colin. The next question we have is from Kristen from Drayton Valley. Will there be a plan for organized re-entry to avoid gridlock traffic? Minister Allison, I'm going to you. Yeah, Kristen, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you, know, it's, you know, certainly as a former law enforcement officer myself, you certainly, whether it be exiting uh, en masse or entering uh, en masse, uh, certainly we want it to be in an organized uh, fashion that uh, certainly uh, provides safety to the community. Um, uh, I would believe that the Alberta Emergency Management Agency would be coordinating with uh, the RCMP to make sure that uh, it certainly is as seamless as, as possible. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, Colin or, or Curtis, if you have anything to add in regards to that. Minister, yeah. I just might, it, it's Curtis here. I just might add that, you know, I, I think uh, the situation at, at Edson was a good example of a, a staged uh, re-entry to the community that, uh, from all understanding, uh, went, went quite well. So uh, I think we can anticipate something very similar uh, with our other communities when they re-enter. Thanks, uh, Deputy Commissioner. Thank you. Is someone able to provide a little bit more insight on the, the staged part of the re-entry? Did you do it by community? Did you do it by postal code? Did you do it by last name? So it's Colin here. Uh, Thanks, Premier. I wouldn't want to preempt the local authority in coming up with a brilliant plan for reentry. Uh, so they they will be innovative. Uh, my personal experience has been trying to, when there are larger communities, to try to bring them in by uh, different parts of the community. Uh, so they phase it that way. I, I do know that people are very responsible when they come back home. Uh, we've had RCMP uh, providing traffic checks along the way, but uh, I've been very pleased about how responsible Albertans are when they get the opportunity to go back home. So a plan will come out. They will likely be staged. Uh, so pay attention to the details. And um, and we look forward to seeing that come out. So, so what, I, what I'm hearing, Colin, is, is that it's a coordinated effort between the local jurisdiction and usually the RCMP. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, Mr. thank you. Excellent. Thank you, Colin. Thank you, Minister. We had a second question from David from Wildwood. If and when we get home and there is more damage, will money that government is providing interfere with insurance? So I'm going to Premier and then I'll go to Rob. Um, I, I would say no. It's a one-time payment to assist with the expenses of life. Um, when you get disrupted and have to leave your home, sometimes you need to go and buy toiletries or extra clothes or, um, or gas or pay for meals. That would be the intention behind it. If there's damage, that would, would certainly be an insurance claim. Insurance does, of course, have, uh, have um, additional support that they give for if you, if you get disrupted and have to leave your home. So the, but my, my expectation would be because this is a one-time payment, it shouldn't impact your insurance. Rob, can you confirm that? Rob, are you still with us? 
Yes, thank you, Premier, and thank you for the question. The information that you provided is correct. The funding that is provided for government assistance is essentially intended for the uninsured expenses. Any government assistance will not be impacted in your insurance claim or change any of your policy coverages or limits. It's a separate funding amount from your insurance claim. There are a couple of components here. People who have been evacuated are able to access the mass evacuation coverage. And if they do have substantial damage to their property when they're able to get back in and they can't live in their property because of the damage, additional living expenses will continue on until we can complete the repairs that are necessary. So in these cases, reach out to your individual insurance company, have that conversation, start the claims process, keep your adjuster informed on the circumstances, and they're here to assist with your insurance claim. Thank you very much, Rob. The next question is from Jean from Drayton Valley. How much are town and county councils being involved? I can tell you that I believe in, in all cases, the, uh, the initial emergency began as a local emergency. And then when we declared the provincial state of emergency, we have a number of unified teams at the different local emergency management, uh, emergency operation centers, uh, as well as uh, embedded staff from the provincial government, uh, the AEMA that are embedded locally. We also, just before this teleconference, we did a, a telephone town hall with all of the, the mayors and reeves and indigenous leaders, chiefs, as well as the, the CEOs of uh, the Métis settlements to make sure that they knew what the, the path was, if they had unanswered questions from their constituents about how, we, how to get more information out. And so they have a direct line to our municipal affairs, um, uh, our municipal affairs ministry. I'll probably get both Gary Sandberg as well as as Colin to 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 weigh in on that. But I would say that the the integration has been working very well. It's been getting very good feedback, and the uh, the mayors are are getting constant communication support so that they can get good information out to you. And Gary, did you want to comment? Thanks, Premier. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Gary Sandberg with Minnesota Affairs. Yes, we uh, stood up on the weekend a. Um, embedded um, outreach team, uh, which has been in contact with all of the mayors and reeves of the directly affected municipalities, which I believe right now is up to about 29 communities. Um, we have uh, folks that are talking regularly with the mayors and reeves uh, to keep them up to date on information that we have. For example, we communicated on the weekend on the declaration of the uh, public state of, state of emergency and to make sure they had the information for the town hall with the uh, premier tonight. Um, and we are sharing information with them as we gather it. We also are inviting them to share information with us in terms of the experiences they're having with the community and make sure they know they have a point of contact if they have further questions. Thank you. Colin? Thanks, Premier. I'll just add to that. Uh, the emergency management system in, in Alberta uh, is intended to, I'll say, reinforce the the uh, success of the local authority. So the municipal elected officials uh, remain in charge of what's happening within their boundaries. They have an emergency operations center and uh, we support the, that, that group uh, with broad communication at a provincial level. 
So the intent here is to reinforce and support those, those communities and their elected officials. Thank you very much, Colin. Thank you, Gary. We have time for a few more questions. So the next question is from Megan from Drayton Valley. We were supposed to leave for three days. Now it will be longer. I've left my cats at home. Can I go and get them? I'm going to start with you, Premier. Wow. When I, you're taking me back. When I was representing High River, I can tell you I was on pet rescue for four days because it looked like it was going to be a very long time before people would be allowed to return. So I know exactly how people feel about, uh, about pets. I think we had encouraged most people to, if they could, pack their pets. And I was very pleased to see the Expo Centre in Edmonton have been able to accommodate pets there. But let me ask Colin what the plan is for pet rescue as this goes on. There will be some animals that uh, that owners are, are going to need to be able to retrieve. Yeah, thanks, Premier. So I think it's important for you to uh, connect with a registration centre uh, to see if you can get in touch with the municipality. And my assumption is, is that they do have people that are are supporting this. So provide them with your contact information so that they can they can assist you with your pets. Uh, you're not going to be able to go back into the the location. Uh, because it is still under an evacuation order. Uh, and I would suggest that if uh, you're not able to get in touch with anybody from the municipality, then contact the 310-4455 number. I'll just, you know what, I, um, I'll i make a note to talk to the uh, to our cabinet committee tomorrow on this. I know that in the case of High River, we made sure that we had uh, animal shelter groups that were given status to be able to come in and work with the teams in order to be able to safely rescue pets. So if, if there's a way for us to be able to do that in certain communities, that'll that'll be something that we can have a discussion on tomorrow. Thanks so much for raising it. I know how important that is. Thank you very much, Premier. Thank you, Colin. The next question I have is from Mike from Drayton Valley. What does someone do if they don't have online banking? We can't accept e-transfer. So, Brian, I'm going to go to you on that question. Great. Thank you, Fiona. Um, so, there are other options that we can do. One is uh, a Visa card, uh, which we load with funds uh, that you can use at, in any retailer, uh, uh, just like a, just like a re regular credit card. Uh, so, that's one of the main uh, tools that we have uh, if you don't have a bank account or it, uh, if you're uncomfortable. The other point I'm pleased to share uh, that uh, as of tomorrow at the Grand Prairie, Edmonton, and Calgary reception centers, um, registration centers, there will be uh, staff from Senior Community Social Services uh, to help you register in person. So, uh, again, we'll be starting with uh, that, that resource will be there tomorrow, and uh, they'll be able to help you in person. Great. Thank you so much, Brad. And the next question is also for you from Mike. Can people on unemployment benefits receive the emergency support? So if you're referring to Asian income support, yes, they can, and it will not account against their uh, against their benefits. Um, if it's another support other than that, please contact us at 310-4455 or go to the Alberta Support Center office, and they can walk you through your details. Thank you so much, Brett. And last question for you from Tammy from Wildwood. Will we still be able to access evacuee payment if our driver's license and address is incorrect? That's a great question for those uh, pieces. Um, it, you may need to use uh, identification card or driver's license for other things. So uh, it's always a good idea to stop by registry office. There's many uh, in many communities. 
However, we can uh, adapt and uh, use other pieces of identification in order to help you. Um, I would encourage for something um, like that to talk to either someone at a reception center or Alberta Supports Office, as it is a bit more complicated than doing it on the phone. Thank you. Very, thank you very much, Brad. And we are close to the end, so we have time for just one last question. And this question is from Jeanette from Edson. What is being done to support farmers and their livestock? Go ahead, Senior. Do we have someone from agriculture here? Okay, perfect. I, I know that uh, Deputy Minister Jason Hale had given us an update earlier today. There are a large number of uh, farms that are registered in the area uh, with a whole range of, of animals going from not just uh, cattle and sheep, but all the way down to, to chickens and, and hogs. And so let me just turn it over to, to Jamie Wall as we're, uh, Jamie Weil or White? White, Jamie White, so that uh, you can give us an, an update on, on what you've learned, because I know that there's a lot happening through the, the various uh, cattle auction marks, but maybe you can just comment on the whole range of, of animals that, um, that might need assistance. Thank you, Premier. Um, right now, the most immediate uh, resources available and resources that are located in the communities where uh, livestock are affected are actually coming from the agriculture community itself. Uh, there's two I'd like to mention. One is the Alberta Association of Agricultural Societies. Their website is albertaagsocieties.ca. And right on the front page of that website is a listing with contact numbers of all the ag societies who are opening their facilities, such as rodeo grounds, uh, for both livestock uh, relocation as well as uh, people in RVs. Um, the second uh, contact that I'll mention is for the Alberta Auction Market Association who also have space for displaced livestock in their various facilities across the province. Uh, best way to contact uh, the Alberta Auction Markets Association is through two phone numbers, one for the north and one for the south. The north is 780-789-3915. And the number for the south is 403-358-0456. And for both of those resources, I'd recommend uh, calling ahead before relocating animals. Uh, some of them are reaching capacity, and you'll be able to assess before you move animals uh, whether there's capacity available for you. Thank you so much, Jamie. And I just want to thank everyone who has joined the call this evening for participating for all of your questions. I want to remind you that we will be doing a town hall tomorrow night from 7.30 to 8.30. You can find all of the information about that on www.alberta.ca backslash emergency. And now I would like to ask Premier Smith to provide some closing comments. Well, thank you to everybody for participating this evening. We had more than 2,800 people who were on the line this evening. And as I mentioned, uh, we're going to continue doing regular updates at 3 p.m. each day until the provincial state of emergency is over and continue to have these telephone town halls in the evening to give you uh, information at 7.30 each night. So uh, if you dialed in and haven't registered, please register because that's the easiest way for us to be able to get in touch with you. There are still uh, questions I believe that uh, need to be answered. And so we'll go through and um, post the information on our alberta.ca slash emergency to make sure that you've got the most up-to-date information. If you, uh, if you do have further questions, call 310-4455 and we will be uh, monitoring that and um, making any uh, policy adjustments that we need to. Every morning at 8.30, our, our emergency management committee cabinet meets 
so that we can not only get a threat assessment and an update on the status of things, but also so that we can make decisions if we do need to make tweaks along the way. Just know that, that all of us are thinking about you, that uh, we, we know that this is really, really difficult to be displaced this way. We want to make sure everybody gets back home as quickly as possible, as safely as possible, and to make sure that there is uh, that, that we can fill the gaps so that uh, you're, you're, not, you're not left stretched because of uh, this unfortunate series uh, of events. So keep, uh, keep us informed about what we can do to help you because uh, we are here, here to help. Thank you very much, Premier. And once again, thank you for joining and good night.